Yo, what is going on, baby? Welcome back to another new money movement. I am your host, Nate Kennedy. You already know. And we have another freaking news update for you guys and just kind of really going to start opening up with the market. I feel like that's just a good sort of structure and we'll kind of just talk about what happened over the past week uh, if there's some certain stories. So we're going to kind of open up with that. And by the way, guys, I'm sure you've noticed if you listen to the show that this is the only episode per week that I do like as a, as a sort of normal podcast. And then the Monday episode is the repost of my YouTube videos, my weekly YouTube videos that are coming out. So it's a more evergreen topic. So I hope you guys are enjoying those. And I would love for you guys to go and check it out and subscribe and, and let me know your thoughts on that. I think it's really awesome to have uh, get YouTube going. And uh, I think it's it's great to elaborate on points because, you know, I'm more, you know, I started with TikTok and, and Instagram and I still do that just as much. But the YouTube thing is really awesome because it allows me to expand on thoughts similar to here. So go check that out. I'd really appreciate you guys go check that out, subscribe. And I really hope that you've been enjoying the audio versions for when you can't uh, watch the actual video. But really, guys, the structure uh, from now on for this show is is probably going to be what it already is. I've been doing, but just kind of to speak it is I'm going to open with the market. What's been going on over the past week, some different uh, headlines. And then I want to talk about uh, sort of like just some commentary around some of the stuff that's going on, some things that I've really realized, and then two interesting stories that uh, I kind of want to cover. And they really do, f- well, one's really cool, but kind of like interesting. And then one is really pertains to, to me and really affects me. So the market took a beating last week. It was is brutal, but it, it actually has since kind of recovered a little bit you know uh, not not too much i mean it, it's it's just been it's been rough right really went into bear territory 20 percent plus down over the year i think now it's just hovering at 20 percent this week uh, there's a little bit of a bounce back and so just continuing to bounce along the bottom it, it seems you know i heard this the other day somebody said there, there's always a, an escape hatch you know, on, in the basement or something like that. So, you know, it could always go further. One thing that's really interesting is you're seeing a lot of conflicting things in the news. I mean, that's like just news in general. And, you know, some people calling for like, let me let me look up S&P in real time and we can read out some of the headlines that you get from just looking up the stock market, right? Yahoo Finance analysts unusually bullish, quote unquote, about S&P 500 stocks. Uh, some random analyst sticks by call for S&P to rally 40% by year end, right? These, these, okay, what's another one? Morgan Stanley says recession would take S&P 500 down another 15 to 20%, right? That was a day ago. Stocks rebound by Yahoo Finance. S&P 500 post best day in three weeks. Dow Jones, Dow, okay, so that's just like more so like what happened. Kevin O'Leary, buy these stocks with strong balance sheets, cash flow. I can't time the market, quote unquote. S&P 500 must fall another 15, 20% to price in recession. Like wildly, wildly conflicting opinions always in the news, especially in the financial news. Everybody has these bold predictions. And I guess that's sort of like healthy to, to see that it's not just completely skewed in one way or the other. But when you see, you know, we can all agree that a lot of folks that work in, in finance and that are, you know, have this kind of platform that a freaking publisher would write about their opinion are probably pretty smart people and pretty smart people are coming to wildly different conclusions about what's going on. All that to say is that nobody really knows what's going on. One of the most significant examples uh, that that really, really bothers me, um, to be honest, is Michael Burry. So I don't know if you guys have seen The Big Short. Uh, he was one of the people that quote unquote called 08 um, and made a ton of money 
from doing some trades around uh, what he saw was clear in front of him. And I don't know if this is essentially, you know, the media really hyperbolizing what he actually believes if he's not making these grandiose statements. But people just talk about this guy like he is Nostradamus, like oh, like Michael Burry said this, and you know th that, that that means it's 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 written in stone, it's true, it's like the, the commandments, right? And there's certain these, these certain sort of messiahs of, of finance that uh, people reference in terms of oh well he called 08, oh well you know <laughs> what's his name the, you know he has a Hollywood movie after him, he must know what he's talking about. You know, here's here's an article wrote two weeks ago. Big short investor Michael Burry warns the U.S. economy is on borrowed time and says consumers will blow through their savings in a matter of months. OK, not the hottest take in the world. I mean, I, I definitely agree that people are starting to, you know, you're starting to actually see already data early on that people are using more of their credit cards and people are, you know, spending no matter what. Like they're trying to, to, to you know, make up for the past two years. So that's, you know, true. You know, another quote by him, 2022 is a plane crash. He certainly could be right. He could be completely wrong. Like, I, I just, I, I, I just, he's a prime example of, of the media taking a guy and just putting him up on this pedestal and, and creating so much fear and so much uncertainty and, and almost like, I've had multiple conversations with people that are like, oh, well, Michael Burry said this or, oh, well, you know, Stanley Drunkenmiller said that. And it's like, I don't give a fuck, man. Like they, they've made such shit calls. They've, they've missed so many times. Michael Burry said that the index fund, index funds and exchange traded funds were, were going to cause the next, next, you know, recession. And they were going to cause this massive bubble that was going to be like, like catastrophic and that just hasn't happened and i don't think that will ever materialize he essentially said that they have been eliminating price discovery and you know you could argue that they they could be but i think active trading and active man is, is is alive and well and markets to me are efficient in the way that you know if a lot of people start using more passive management then you know money will shift into the active side and you saw that with uh kathy wood like active ETF, we're starting to get outsized returns, crazy returns. Money flew in like nobody's business. The flows will go to where their returns are, right? And so if if you're saying, you know, a passive strategy is what everybody's doing, then there's going to be a subset of people who do active that perform really well and find a, you know, a, a sort of advantage there and, and money will start to flow there. And, and, and it's just cyclical like that. It's not necessarily like it's like one or the other. And so, yes, you know, Blackstone and, or, you know, uh, BlackRock and Vanguard and Fidelity and all these providers, yes, they have a they have massive you know positions and hundreds of thousands of like thousands of companies, for sure. But to just quote some fucking guy from you know from Mike you know that some investor that said this one thing, and and to say that that you know it's, it spells the end of the market and doomsday and all this kind of jazz, it's just get used to that because it's just when when times are tough like this and markets are pulling back it's just prediction after prediction after prediction and i've every i mean every every day i or every week i come on here i'm talking about predictions and, and all that kind of jazz but like take everything that i say with a grain of salt take everything that these fucking publishers are publishing with a grain of salt everybody it's lulu it's it's loopy land it's crazy it's crazy town right now everybody's just looking to you know whatever and you know i try my best to to kick it to you guys as straight as you can i mean on youtube you know you always have to do a little bit of clickbait a little thumbnail whatever i'm trying to be as honest in real time with you guys as i can about what i make of all of this again i don't think it's catastrophic i, I think we're still in a pretty 
strong economy and, and there could be uh, some some weaker signs that emerge. And I feel like investors are sort of waiting for that weak data to come out so that the Fed can kind of chill out and stop you know, hiking rates and all that kind of stuff. Really interesting. Canadian housing market slowed down significantly just to rampantly like do a 180, like just completely switch to the next topic. Uh, housing market ha has uh, slowed down significantly uh, in, in Canada as, as rates are in increasing. And it's a double-edged sword with, with rates increasing because mortgage affordability uh, goes down. You know, you can afford less. You can't afford as much house because it's more expensive per, you know, assuming your income has stayed the same. But house, housing prices are starting to lower. Houses are staying on the market longer. You know, personally, anecdotally, I've seen a lot of houses in my neighborhood, around where I live, and in different cities, a lot more for sale signs. My hunch, purely hunch, is that realtors are hitting up their clients and, and people that they know. You know, they're probably, you know, hitting them up and saying, hey, you know, the market looks toppy right now. Uh, you may want to cash out. A lot of people are getting scared. They want to cash out. Well. When a lot of markets come on, rates increase and people, you know, see all that and, and they think, oh, well, why would I buy now? Everything's about to get cheaper. Right. And and that's and then it kind of, it's kind of self-fulfilling in the sense that people see that it's both buyers and sellers can see, oh, my gosh, this might be the top. And they start to speculate and then speculation occurs. Right. Buyers want to wait until the bottom or they want to wait a little bit and see sort of how this shakes out. They don't want to overpay. Right. Of course. Yes. There's still people that are going over asking all that kind of stuff. But that shit is slowing down significantly. Right. Toronto's still going to be crazy. GTA is still going to be crazy. Like it's not going to crash, in my opinion. Knock on wood. Like I, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is people are starting to speculate. Sellers are trying to cash out, you know, people, maybe uh, Gen X, boomers, whatever, want to cash out. Buyers are speculating, saying, hey, I don't know. I think it could go down a little bit more. And you're seeing, you know, houses stay on the market longer. You're probably seeing some form of that in the US. From what I understand, I think it's still pretty hot in certain markets and whatever. But I think it is cooling off a bit. By far, still a huge issue, not enough for my age group to feel confident about anything, because again, uh, we can afford, everybody can afford less, you know, uh, in terms of like a mortgage and how much they can get. But like, it, it, it is finally interesting to see that, wow, real estate isn't this insane asset that just always, always goes up no matter what. It's like, okay, they, there are some things that can happen that kind of cool it off. If you guys are looking for a new credit card that's awesome and gives you great cash back, you're looking for a fantastic savings account that'll give you a good yield, a good return on your money for, I mean, it's not going to give you 10%, but it'll give you something, then you guys need to check out Neo Financial. They are a proud sponsor of the show uh, and they've supported your boy for some time. And so uh, I would love for you guys to check out some of the products they are in my opinion, one of the best things in fintech in Canada right now, uh, especially for young Canadians. Uh, so, you know, and who knows, maybe Americans soon, but uh, right now Canadians. So if you guys are interested at all in getting a better credit card, better savings account, better uh, want to build a credit with their credit builder, check out the link in the description. I'm telling y'all, you will not regret it. Next, I want to shift into something, uh, a few conversations that I've had with friends recently. And, you know, I have, a, I have a number of friends that are tinkering with projects right now, looking to start businesses. And, you know, right now is actually a very ideal time to get going with that. 
and and it might seem like that's crazy and you know it's like uh that's that's why like everything's crashing and falling and burning around you why would this be a good time a lot of times a lot of successful businesses have risen from the ashes like a phoenix from you know whatever like crazy successful business like uber airbnb a lot of awesome stuff is created in in I wouldn't want to call this rubble because it's not rubble, but like in, you know, uncertain, you know, pullback-y times. And what happens when you create in a pullback or in a, in a lower market from what I can see and what I'm kind of gathering is that you build into the boom, right? You have those foundational formative years as things are going back up and trending upward, right? You're not worried about a looming recession as much because it's here, you know, you have more certainty. And it's actually a really optimal time uh, to be in this sort of market because the earlier stages, you don't, you don't have payroll, you don't have whatever. It's just like ideation, building, testing, seeing what's out there, doing all that kind of stuff. This doesn't necessarily need to be a crazy startup. It can be any sort of business, assuming that you've been waiting for the right time and whatever, right? So you have more data to say, okay, this is probably what the next 12 to 18 months are going to look like, you know, how, and, and can I use that time to build as I'm, you know, holding it down at my job or whatever, and then build into the boom. So that's a really optimistic take that I've, I feel like I've, I've heard a few times from a few friends and one that I really believe as well, just you take this time to build, build, build. And I talked about that in uh, an episode a few weeks ago. Uh, so I just want to, another sort of more optimistic thing is that this could be a great time for you to, you know, test out some ideas, start tinkering and build into this re sort of recovery. We're not really like at a bottom or anything like that, but it's definitely, definitely something to think about and something to be optimistic about that. Uh, a lot of times when there's a pullback you and you start building, you build into the upward trajectory. One really interesting story that I just just actually saw about Netflix. So Netflix is in a really tough market. We've talked about streaming wars and and how tough it's going to be for them to you know maintain their position. I mean, you think about Fang stocks. It's just like like you know all those companies are like Facebook's, <laughs> Netflix. Like it used to be like the top of the market. Now it's just I don't even know if that's an acronym anymore. Netflix was part of it, and now you know they're scrambling trying to figure out what the hell's going on and so it looks like they've been you know sort of considering an ad supported model and it looks like that a few other folks like nbc universal google are some front runners to partner with netflix to create an ad supported tier right and so netflix which is you know hoping to boost revenue by selling ads around its programming is still in the early stages of developing it, but it looks like there, there could be, you know, some partnerships. And obviously Google, the ad king of the world, could definitely have a, have a, have a, have a really good input there and be a strategic partner. And I think, you know, it's something I think they need to do. I, I don't know exactly how they would go about it. And, and I, I don't think they actually would know exactly, but I think like, yeah, maybe do an ad supported tier. I think, uh, you get some great real estate on Netflix. There's, I mean, there's massive users that they could definitely like leverage. It could, could it be something that I don't know? These experiment with an ad supported tier. They lower their standard for content. They become a you, not a YouTube, but like maybe there's more some more niche stuff. The bar isn't as high, and it becomes more like a YouTube esque Netflix platform where there are ads, or you could pay for YouTube Premium. You could pay for Netflix Premium. And you get that so you know you get more users because it's free but it's ad supported let's say I, I i'm not sure i haven't fully read the article but i'm assuming it's something like that it's free 
with ads. And then you have uh, the YouTube premium model uh, or Netflix premium where you're paying for that subscription, no ads, whatever. I mean, you know, you could argue that they might lose revenue or people might just keep it, but you could argue how much would they get from advertising revenue? I would, I would argue a lot. I mean, how much would you pay? Oh, you, unless you're in advertising, you probably don't know, but probably pay a good amount to be on a Netflix, being a Netflix ad or be the first batch or something like that. It's a pretty interesting idea. And I definitely think they need to fucking do something because they're getting their ass handed to them by every other streaming platform and they got to figure some shit out. So <laughs> like really good to see that they're considering it and, and keeping their options open. The last story that I want to talk about guys, and I haven't talked about it on uh, the show, is something in Canada, but it does affect, you know, America. I, I feel like everybody can kind of, you know, be interested in this, is this thing called Bill C-11. So I've talked about it on TikTok. I made two videos on this topic. Essentially what Bill C-11 is, so it's a bill that the Liberal government is trying to pass, um, and it looks like they've, they've passed it through, you know, the House of Commons, I really don't know Canadian politics, but they passed it through the, the initial sort of stage of, you know, liberal, conservative, NDP. Like, it looks like a lot of MPs support this. So it's going into the Senate. And now they're going to scrutinize it um, over the next few months, and we're going to learn more. But essentially what this bill is aiming to do is to improve the discoverability of Canadian creators, right? On Canadian radio, they have sort of mandates by the CRTC, the Canadian Radio, Television, and Telecommunications Commission. Right. So these guys basically make sure that there's enough Canadian stuff out there. So, you know, some artists, if you're Canadian, that you've heard, probably the Americans have never heard of them. There's a lot of artists that have gotten their shot on radio because they're Canadian. And so you know, this is a regulatory body that makes, makes sure there's a certain percentage of Canadians that are getting showcased. Uh, same with television. Uh, that's why we have Canadian shows, Canadian things, YTV, Teletoon, whatever, to make sure that we're getting enough Canadian stuff. It's just good in theory. Right. But now they want to do that with the internet. Internet is a very different place. Now, it first started off and they'll say, you know, the government, hey, you know, we're just looking to regulate the big tech, the billion, the multi-billion dollar, the big guys, you know, we're trying to keep, you know, at first it was more so a streaming thing, right? Make sure that there's enough stuff on streaming content, whatever. And then, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a few sections that kind of include, you know, that pretty much include YouTube and TikTok. So it's like, okay, yeah, YouTube and TikTok too. Like, we want to regulate those folks too, right? Okay, cool. Fair enough. But now, now, even lower than that, right? They want to regulate. So initially it would just be like for music videos, things like that, like more professional, more like corporate. They want to regulate the corporate arms of the you know people that operate on these platforms. But now it looks like they want to regulate user-generated content. That's me uploading. That's you uploading. That's pretty much anybody uh, uploading. Now they'll say, oh no, we don't wanna regulate user-generated content, but very clearly, and the, the commissioner of the CRTC has said that they would have the power to regulate user-generated content, which is content I could upload, you can upload, et cetera, right? First of all, it's practically impossible, but you know, they, they would have the power to do that. Now they, they've said, well, they, we don't intend to enforce that. Well, that's not good enough. You can't, you, can't, you can't say, we have the power to do something, but don't worry, we're not gonna do it. That's like, it's not, it's, it's not how it works. So you might be wondering, why is that, why is that an issue? Why, why is that a big deal? Well, I mean, firstly, the Canadian content is, is, is fine. Like people get enough Canadian content on YouTube, whatever. It's out there. You get recommended it. TikTok is, is exceptionally good for recommending Canadian content. I get a ton of, probably more than half of my content is, is Canadian 
uh, based, Canadian focused, they, they do a great job of serving that up to you. But now there would be sort of arbitrary, uh, you know, promotions and it could really morph into a, a world where I, as a content creator and other content creators have to fit a certain standard and have to be regulated in a certain type of way to be promoted. So I have to fit their box and I have to present myself as Canadian enough to get promoted and whatever. And if I don't, then I get suppressed. Now, if I get suppressed in my own country and, and I, you know, it's a whole rabbit hole that I'm going down, but if I get suppressed in my own country, that's not a good thing, right? That's all you need to know. If I get promoted in my own country, well, then I'm going to people who aren't necessarily my best viewers. They're just like random people and they might not engage with themselves. So my analytics aren't going to be as dialed in because the algorithm isn't going to be as sharp. And if my analytics aren't that good, then it stands to reason that I'm probably not going to get promoted internationally. And if you if you haven't, if, if you don't know this, most Canadian YouTubers or Canadian content creators, their biggest audience isn't in Canada. We're global folks. You know, Canada is a small country. America, we have a massive neighbor. That's where really we want to make our money. And that's where all the ad dollars are. That's that's how we're going to grow and do well. And so you can kind of see what the picture I'm painting by them trying to promote and artificially prop up Canadian creators who are already doing just fine right now. Nobody's nobody needs their help. They're going to actually deter us and make it quite difficult. And so a lot of folks are starting to wonder, well, maybe I should just move to the States. Maybe I should just get away from this regulatory scrutiny because I want a free market. I want to be able to succeed and I want a global opportunity. And and I mean, that, those are thoughts that I've definitely had. Right. And so none of this is going to play out immediately. Obviously, like any sort of legislation is going to take a long time, a you know, year or two, whatever. But it's a highly problematic bill and I hope it gets revised significantly. Uh, there's a lot of things you can read up on and go check out. I'll keep it a buck with you guys. I mean, I tried uh, emailing my MP and it just didn't go anywhere. I don't really think it does much. I think it's kind of BS. But what you can do is continue to talk about it. And if enough people make us think about it, the media can cover it more. Politicians get squeezed a bit. You know, that, that's, the, that's, that's the way this could go, is, 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 is for public opinion to really get angry and, and, and for them to cower. That's, that's really your best option. That's the, that is the only way that consumers have the power. It's not necessarily reaching out to their MP. I mean, yes, definitely reaching out to your MP, raising a stink, whatever, helps in small amounts. But usually they kind of just roll with their party from what I understand. But what you can really, you know, really help with is, is, is sharing this, talking about this, reading up on this, making sure that it's a very hot topic and, and learning more about it and trying to, I don't know, share, spread awareness. And people talk a lot of shit about spreading awareness and it doesn't do anything. That's not true at all. Like you spread enough awareness. If everybody in the world cares about a certain issue, things tend to get done. Politicians tend to get scrutinized. Like the media tends to fucking twist her arm a bit. Like things happen, things move, you know? So just wanted to talk about that really quickly, guys. I really appreciate everything. And uh, thank you for tuning in. Just wanted to riff a little bit this week, but we will be back with more headlines, news, and keep you updated and up to snuff on everything uh, in the markets and in business and everything like that. So I appreciate y'all, boy. I love y'all, but for now I'm out this mother. Peace.